Uh, the story starts, this is the only little detail that I'm going to sort of go into a little bit. It, it says that uh, Caesar issued a decree, and that word uh, decree, I, I mean, that's a great, that's a perfect translation of it. The, the, the word that was spoken in, in that language uh, is the word dogma, and the root of that word is interesting, and the only reason I'm going into this because we don't really think about this much, but the root of that word is an opinion. And so what this is, what's being said is, here's this guy that in that side of the world was the most powerful, privileged person who issued an opinion that was taken as a decree because of the power and privilege that that person had. And, it, and that opinion was imposed on everybody. And the result of that, and, and the reason why that opinion was being given, I mean, it doesn't say anything about whether he was a good or a bad guy. I guess we could just assume he was a bad guy, because <laughs> let's just go with that assumption. <laughs> but the, God doesn't bother bringing that up. It just goes unsaid. We kind of all know this is probably a bad guy. But the story that God's telling doesn't even need to bring that up. People say it was sort of an administrative decision being made uh, to hold this census or this registering of all the people and the purpose of which was to aid or facilitate raising money for the government to be able to pay for different things, pay people's salaries and, and pay for, you know, the armies to go out and terrorize the world. But aside from that, that wasn't mentioned either. <laughs> uh, it's just sort of put out as... An opinion was made by a person with some power about how best to facilitate and run things, about how things need to work. And the result of that opinion, or one little story of that result, of that opinion going out as a decree, is that this young couple were forced to leave uh, the safety and security, the help uh, of family at a time when they needed it most. And they were forced to leave all that, even though they had no money, and, and go on a trip that they weren't prepared to make at a time when she was, you know, I don't know, this is probably a bad Yeah, I'm just going to say it the way. She was, she was nine months, I was going to say she was 20 months pregnant because that's a joke Karen and I have. But <laughs> she, she was, I don't know how you're going to take that, so I, I should just say she was nine months pregnant, or she was about to have the baby, all right? Leave all the months out of the whole thing. It's not a great time to be traveling, uh, even if you do have a donkey or something like that. I'm not sure that really helps. <laughs> Maybe it does, yeah. And they get there, and... The place is crowded. There's no place for them to stay. She has the baby in a manger and basically a parking garage, you might say. Be like the equivalent maybe of under an underpass, you might say. It's turned into a parking lot. And doesn't have, you know, presents or any kind of blanket. Doesn't have a Walmart to go to or anything good like that and just wraps a baby in some 
cloth that's there. And it's not really highlighted, but it is a little bit oppressive. And what it is, is that's the background to the story of Jesus. And when you think about it in sort of general terms, that's the background of all our stories. It's these opinions being issued out by sort of a bunch of little Caesars in our life that's just causing tyranny on us. And it's not just other people doing it, but but we all do that. We just issue out these opinions on people, and I know we just do it from the goldenness of our hearts and the purity of our intentions and with the confidence that we are so right and that if they just listened to our decree, that blessings from heaven would fall upon them. But all that's really happening is we're just throwing out some opinions and they're causing some harm to people. And the whole sermon could be, let's not do that anymore. (laughs) But that would be a stupid sermon because we're just going to keep doing that. (laughs) There's no end to that. We're all going to do that. It's just the background to the story. But, But the good news of the story is in the midst of this Caesar and all the little Caesars and us being Caesar and our desire to be Caesar and all of our opinions that we're throwing out and all the harm that's being caused. In the midst of all that, you see something here that God has a plan. He has a story that he's working out, even though that's the background. And here's the story that he's working out. It just gives some little words that's easy to Passover, it says that Joseph, they went, mentions Nazareth, it mentions Galilee, it mentions Judea, it mentions Bethlehem, it mentions David. It doesn't say King David, it just says David. Nazareth was a place that that was considered to be a horrible place to be from. Uh, probably high crime, low education rate, you know, and whatever they... They were of the opinion. It wasn't even that it actually was a bad place. It was just that everyone was of the opinion that it was a bad place to be from. It was probably a perfectly fine place to be from. When when Jesus is Some of his own disciples, when they first heard about Jesus, one disciple, before they became disciples, says, hey, come hear this guy, Jesus of Nazareth. And the other guy replies, Nazareth? What good can come from Nazareth? He was of the opinion. Everybody was of the opinion that this was a horrible place to be from. And if the whole story was told, that opinion that it was a horrible place to be from I'm sure that caused a lot of hurt also. But that's what we do. We make these opinions. And God said, I I know what everyone's opinion will be. And I'm going to let everyone have their opinion about Nazareth. And I'm going to make something wonderful come from that. He lets us have our opinions. He lets us be our little Caesars and have all our reasons for we're doing things. But in the middle of all that, he'll take 
whatever it is that we're of the opinion doesn't need to be talked about. Of the opinion that this isn't worth mentioning. Of the opinion that I'm not going to highlight this. As a, he'll go to that place and say, I'm going to make something beautiful from there. Galilee, another place. It, it says David. It's interesting. It doesn't say David of Jerusalem or David as King David. Uh, the truth is when he was a little Caesar, what he did was he took one of his most loyal people, uh, a person willing to give his life for him and had demonstrated that numerous times, slept with his wife and then had him killed to cover it up for the good of the kingdom probably, out of the goodness of his heart. He was of the opinion that this was necessary. <laughs> he's not talking about that David, <laughs> even though he's including that in because that David is actually the David of reality that's at the low point. (laughs) But everyone would have thought King David was wonderful. What he's talking about is the David that was chosen and what the situation was when he was chosen. People wanted a king, and they were of the opinion that this tribe, uh, that it was the the least tribe, that, that this family... What was the least likely family that anyone would come from? David's own family were of the opinion that he didn't even need to be in the lineup. They had him out taking care of the sheep. No one in his own family had an opinion that anything good could come from David other than just this work of, you know, taking care of them and taking care of their stuff. But that's the person that God went to. And it's not that God doesn't include Caesar. Caesar's in the story. He's just making sure that even the shepherds that we come to, they're a part of the story. It comes to the shepherds and their initial reaction, whether it's uh, just or, you know, being startled or whatever it was, the initial thing that came from them when the angel appeared and told them about Jesus was, was fear. And, and it had to have been more than just being startled because it would seem odd for an angel to walk up behind you and go, boo! And then you're like, hey, just, well, don't be startled. <laughs> That's not like, it doesn't make much sense. What it was is they were afraid. Why? It doesn't say. I mean, if Caesar's any indication of that... You could say, well, as being shepherds, I, I had a friend and everyone hated him. Just hated him. I don't even know why. I'd walk down the street with him and people we didn't even know would take the... This was back before you could just push your window down with your finger. You actually had to work at it. People would go start rolling their window down, slow down their car, and just yell curse words at him. Whenever you would try and talk to him, he would kind of like startle back. He would sort of just take it as though you were about ready to hit him or something like that. It's not that there was no reason for them to be afraid when they encountered something powerful. It's just sort of our... Oftentimes, when we think about what's being said, the gospel, when we think about how that's going to work out in our lives, it's, there, there's some fear there. And part of the, the fear is that 
you know. There's no need for Jesus, for God, to have come down and become a person. There's no reason for that story to need to have actually happened if it wasn't for the case that we actually need it to be saved from something. And the idea that we're in a situation where we need to be saved, that defines fear. But what the angel did and the power of God, what it came in to do was to tell them of God's story and something else. And the immediate thing that's addressed is don't, there's no need to be afraid. You do need to be saved. But he's saying, your Savior is here. You see the difference? If we're living in the place of, if we're honest... Our story is, it all starts with whether it's someone's opinion or not, we're in a position where we need to be saved. And if we don't feel like that, then there's nothing that the story has to say to us and nothing that Jesus has to offer. It all starts, you can say it with repentance, but what that really means is saying, I I know I need to be saved. And what the angel did was not just highlight the story that Jesus has come to us at that place, that he's willing to, God's willing to come down and be with us at that low spot. But it's also him saying that that because of that, we don't have to be afraid anymore. In other words, he's helping us shift from the natural fear that comes from being, from recognizing and and able to be honest about the fact that we need to be saved and to live in the joy of having a Savior. I I was, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to tell that story. I, I don't know how to give a story to, Let's just look at it in general. You can see how when you are in a situation where you need to be saved, you're living in fear. When you're in a situation that you're experiencing being saved, that's kind of a joyful place to be. And what is it that's bringing them there? They didn't need to become Caesar to have that joy. I guarantee you Caesar wasn't any more likely to be joyful than the shepherds were. We oftentimes think if we want to bring joy and security and, and save people, then it's part of moving them from being a shepherd to being Caesar. That, that's a, we're of the opinion that that is true. God's saying, no, that, that's not what makes it. It was an actual angel that came, that was there talking. It was the actual glory of God. It was an experience that they actually had. There was actually a host of angels that cried out. Sometimes we sort of bypass that way. Just look at this. There was something supernatural that happened that helped them think about and ponder and wonder and see, is it true 
that God is going to save us? And is there something that, that's actually here? And, and the only reason why I, I bring that up is because this isn't, he's not saying have a change of consciousness and start looking at things with like rose-colored glasses. We're all trying to do that. If we're in a place where we need to be saved, unless there's an actual salvation that we're experiencing, well, I mean, you can't trick your mind into being joyful. It's like people talk about like, well, the Red Sea was parted. Earthquake happened. This kind of, I don't know. I mean, if you're of the opinion that happened, but then that's not. I need it for, to, for it to be actually have been parted. Like in order for me to have some sort of security, I need that story to be true in literal terms. Just putting it into an allegory does nothing in terms of alleviating my fear when I'm faced with something that, when it brings, I'll just tell the story of David. That's probably the best story, since that's the story in the passage. It's the story of David when he was a boy. A guy named Goliath, huge guy. And when you're fighting in hand-to-hand combat, size matters. (laughs) I know all the little jujitsu stuff that a little guy can... If you've both been trained, size matters. <laughs> but David hadn't even been trained. <laughs> the jujitsu king was the big guy. <laughs> they said, We're of the opinion, David, that you're little. <laughs> We're of the opinion that you're a little kid. And we've got science to back that up. We're of the opinion that, that you've never been trained to do battle. Like this. David said, I'll give you all your opinions. God gave them all your opinions. And and then David said something interesting. He says, I'm of the opinion that God will save me. What what was the opinion based on? David said, well, when I was littler than I am today. I mean, maybe it was like a month ago. I was still littler than I was today. (laughs) Because when you're little, you grow fast. So he had to have been littler. Than he was at that moment. He said, one time a lion and another time a bear came to take the sheep and I grabbed it by its beard and killed it. He says, if God saved me from the lion and the bear, then I mean, what's, I'm of the opinion that this guy isn't going to, a lion or bear would take this guy down. I guarantee you. You say, well, it was a little bear. It had to have been a little bear. A little kid is not going to be able to kill a little bear. And David was saying, the bear was big enough to kill this guy, (laughs) Goliath. He's saying, it is my opinion that I'm going to be saved and that God's going to save this whole nation from the Philistines and from this person. It is my opinion But this is why it's of my opinion, because I've actually had, it wasn't a metaphor that the lion was killed. There was an actual experience in his life that made his opinion change. And so now he's living in the joy of the opinion that since this and this and this I was saved, I don't see any reason why I won't continue to be saved. And even if I die in that opinion, I'm more than willing to 
go there. (laughs) And even when his son died because of the things that he had done wrong, he said, I'm of the opinion that we'll be together in the end. It's not that God's telling you, look here, just chalk up this story about Jesus and have it warm to your heart and then just have put on your rose-colored glasses and have joy. It's a challenge to look into your life and see, I know I've been thinking that I was saved by all my opinions and me becoming little Caesar, but are the, is there any indication in your life that you would have to say, How does that work out? It says that the people there, they they were amazed. They wondered. Is there anything in your life where you were saved and it was saved in such a way that causes you to wonder about, whoa, whoa, what just happened there? I don't really think I should have been saved there. I don't think my opinion saved me. I don't think everyone else's opinion saved me. I think that just kind of clustered up this whole fear scenario, but something happened, and he's challenging us to wonder about that, to think about it. Did God just do something? Does he care about me in that kind of way? Did did he just save me? And as we wonder, the amazement starts to build, and for Mary, uh, Jesus' mother, this, had been, this type of thing had been happening. She had already had an angel appeared to her. This wasn't the first time all these angels in heaven. A- as it starts to build, you start to treasure it. And you start to say, you know what? Even if I could be saved by my own opinion, I think I'd rather, I think I'd be happier I think I'd more be secure. I'd like to figure this out. I'd like to see if this isn't the case, that Jesus really does exist. He really does care for me, and that he really is in my life, and that he really does want to take my story and live it with me. And if that's the case, then yeah, I'm going to have some joy. But it's not just me telling myself, be more joyful. We're going to pray, sing a few more songs. And maybe as everyone sort of bow your heads, close your eyes, we'll stand for a second. But if as I've been talking to you, you've been realizing that you do need to be saved, and, and also you've started to realize that says, we love because he first loved us, that you started to see that I think God has been there. If you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior, you haven't done that before, I'll raise your hand and I'll pray with you right now. Okay, let's pray. Now let's all stand and we'll pray together. Jesus, we just uh, thank you so much for coming into this world And Lord, we just want to say that just thank you for actually doing it. Uh, Even though we may not understand what's going on or why this or that is significant, 
the Jew actually came down from heaven and became a human being to live life with us, to start this story. And, and that what this means is that what, what's changed is that by coming down, your will is good towards us. You're pleased. Lord, we lift you up and we just ask, Lord, that we could live in the joy of you being our Savior. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.